I don't give a where I play as long as I go number one in the draft. From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to uh, the final episode of the season of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. My name is Dean Millard and the Director of Scouting for TSN will be along shortly. This is episode 33 of season two where the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed. As you can see, still not back in the uh, studio. Uh, we are now in the Wheat City, uh, Brandon, Manitoba, home of the Wheat Kings and uh, Duckman's Domination representing in uh, the background. It's been a really fun trip and uh, I'm really excited uh, to talk to Craig today uh, about the 2021 draft. We're going to take a look back at the draft uh, through a couple of different picks and uh, a little bit of a general overview. Uh, we're also going to take a look at what uh, our franchise did in the Ultimate Fra uh, Fantasy Hockey League, the UFHL, Duckman's Domination. Craig is the Vice President of Scouting, and he's the President of High-Level Scouting as well. So there's definitely an affiliation there, and there was certainly some uh, crossover when it came to the 2021 draft. And Craig is knee-deep in the World Junior Camp right now, so he is going to give us an update on things that he's seeing there. And not just with the U20, but the U18 camp as well, as there's some awesome names uh, coming uh, down the pipe, so to speak, with that. And the 2022 draft uh, is the next focus for NHL scouts. So we'll take a quick peek at that draft. Uh, our franchise in the UFHL paid a, a hefty price uh, to secure what we think will be two top five picks in the UFHL uh, 2022 draft. Of course, Shane Wright, the big prize. Uh, he is property right now as a uh, prospect by High Level Scouting, which is the affiliation we have. And my wife owns that uh, scouting uh, agency. So that's the synergy that UFHL teams need uh, and the affiliations that, uh, in, in my opinion, you need in order to be able to uh, get those players uh, because you've already paid some price for them at a, at a different cost. And then there's some other really, really talented players for the 2022 draft. So. We will get into it. Of course, Craig joins us on the UFFS hotline, www.uffsports.com is where you can check it out. It is the future of fantasy and the future is here. Uh, you can become a scout and track the same players that Craig does. Real world scouting for professional fantasy hockey franchises. And that's just the beginning. Soon you'll be able to scout American football players. Soon you'll be able to scout basketball players. Soon you'll be able to scout baseball players. I'm so excited to be the head of baseball operations with UFFS, and we're going to get the ultimate fantasy league baseball off the ground very, very shortly. So in this format, you own 
the game. This show is also being broadcast on UFSN, the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. And just like UFFS, we are growing. New shows are being planned. Big things are happening. Bookmark the YouTube page and keep checking back. If you have a show that you think would fit well on the network, email UFSN at UFFSports.com or you can follow them on Twitter at UFS Network. DMs are open. All right, let's get to it now. He is the director of scouting for TSN. One final time this season, Mr. Craig Button. Here he is, the director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. All right, Craig, uh, the draft is over for 2021, but uh, so many other things going on as uh, you were busy with the World Junior Camp and now a lot of focus uh, on uh, free agency. But let's look back at the 2021 draft. And when you look at the top five or the top 10, were there any major surprises for you? Here's it. And this is a great segue into my how I'm going to preface this episode. So the draft unfolds. We hear about about who the top five are, who the top ten is, who are surprises, who you know, who had the best draft, all these grades. Here's what you need to know when you're scouting. So that you, you spent a lot of time leading up to the draft evaluating players. Now there's players picked by every NHL team. And the NHL teams are looking at one another, going, geez, we can't believe we got that guy there. They're all saying that team. So now the evaluation carries forth to the next phase. And that evaluation is, okay, here's some players that were drafted higher than, may, than I may have ranked them. But you know what? What did other teams see in them? What did other people see in them? Here's some players that I had rated high. They didn't go as high as, as I expected them to or as I thought they may. So what did I not see perhaps? And it's a critical part of the evaluation after the draft. So you're watching players at, at, at the summer showcase in Plymouth. You're watching players at the, at the junior camp in Calgary. Uh, and so you're going through this entire process. And I always say it's not static. It's never static. And just because you went into a draft and you ranked players and you rated players, the evaluation now of your own evaluation begins. And that is critical to be a good scout. That is critical to understand Okay, what didn't I see? What's there that somebody else saw? And open your mind to an entire thing. Dean, I've said this, I, I refuse to do it. There is nothing more self-serving and dumber than grades the day after a draft. Because all it is is self-serving. All it is is based on how somebody rated the players. So if teams draft the players that you rated high, they get a high grade. If they don't get, if they, if they draft the players you didn't rate high, they get a low grade. That's the self-serving part of it. And you're telling me a day after the draft, you know who's, who, who had the best draft and who did well? Give me a break. That is the height of stupidity. 
And when you start to do those types of things, I can tell you this, you're not setting yourself up to be successful. There's my, there's my preamble to the draft and everything. Now, now we can go into the draft and understand, you know what? How I rated players right now, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm continuing. I've already gone to the World Junior Camp. I've watched some of the Plymouth Showcase and I've watched some things. You know, I'll say this. I feel pretty good about Atu Ratu, who went in the second round. I feel pretty good that the Islanders got a really good player. Now, there's other players that I that, that I had ranked fairly high, Benjamin Goudreau. Okay, so some other teams didn't see that. He went in the third round of the San Jose Sharks. So it gives me a real opportunity to start, a start not anew, to continue the process and go, okay, what did Benjamin uh, demonstrate that I liked? What did Benjamin maybe not demonstrate that led him to be a third round draft pick? So that's where I go. And I think it's really important when, you, when, when you're evaluating uh, yourself. Because this is a self-evaluation tool, not, uh, not a tool to say, oh, yeah, this team did really well because they took players I rated hot. Well, and the other part of the, the, the D equation happens now, and that's development. And, and some players yes. that, are, that get taken high uh, develop better or are developed better in different organizations than other players that were, were maybe taken in a different spot. So uh, it's a two-pronged attack when it comes to NHL teams. The draft is just the first step. You're so right, Dean. And it's a critical, critical part now is development. And, you know, how teams work with their players, how the players are going to work and apply, uh, you know, their skills and the, and the instruction they're going to get from, from the quality people in the development area. So these are all, uh, uh, you know, really, really significant to a player being able to perform to the best of his abilities and to reach his potential at the NHL. All right, the best part for fans about a draft is comparing my team to your team. You know, you get together uh, with your buddies, and, and, and it happens. There's a lot of different things. And I, I think one thing this year, um, you know, the, when you look at fans of the Detroit Red Wings and the Minnesota Wild are, are going to be debating for years, who ended up, you know, and we won't know this for years, who ends up with the best goaltender long time. But these are teams... Of, of fan bases that can compete. And we talked about this going into this draft. There was a lot of hype coming for Sebastian Cosa. Uh, he's uh, performing very well at the World Junior Camp from what, what I've been able to see. And uh, two goaltenders in the first uh, round. I'm just happy about that, Craig, because it shows teams, I feel, are becoming op more open-minded to drafting goaltenders earlier. Instead of that archaic, you can't draft a goalie in the first round. Why? I, I didn't read the rule book that has that rule in it. It's an archaic rule. I'm not saying you draft a goalie every year in the first round. If they warrant it, you draft them. And I'm glad to see that maybe minds are opening up a little bit more to that. Well, uh, the four goaltenders that played in the, in, in the semifinals of the National Hockey League playoffs this past year were all drafted in the first round. Marc-Andre Fleury first overall, Carey Price fifth overall, Varlamov and Vasilevsky first round draft picks in the second half of the first round. So... You know, you sit down and, and, and you look like uh, you have to consider the potential and, and the quality of the, of the goaltending prospects in every draft. And with Sebastian Kosa and Jesper Wallstadt, there was no question of, that they were high quality. There's no question in my, in my view that they're goaltenders that have number one goaltender written all over them. 
I, I said this on the show a couple weeks ago. Wouldn't surprise me one bit if Sebastian Kosa is the first goaltender selected in this draft. Won't surprise me if he ends up being the best goaltender. But I think Wallstadt is, 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 a, is a bonafide number one. I think Kosa is a bonafide number one. And I also talk about their technical uh, acumen. And, you know, goaltending, as you know, Dean, you know, you have to learn how to goaltend. It's not just skating and skill and catching the puck and so many other things. And te the, the technical aspect is really important. But I think with Sebastian and Jesper, they are significantly advanced in that technical uh, uh, part of the game. That's essential to being able to be successful at the NHL level. And in my view, Kosa, who went 15, uh, and then uh, Wallstead, who went to Minnesota shortly thereafter, there's no player that you could have selected on the blue line or up front that was further along in their development or that it will reach their potential uh, you know, sooner than those two guys. So the argument that it takes them longer, yeah, generally speaking, but a lot of players take longer. But these two guys, they're advanced in their game. And like I said, there's no way that anybody's going to convince me that you could have taken a player that's more advanced in their development than Sebastian or Jesper. There are some picks that just seem to fit with teams. I remember, uh, you know, everybody and their dog seemed to be predicting Jordan Everly was going to get drafted by the Oilers in his draft year. Um, and it just seems to be a good fit. Brad Clark for the Kings seems to be a good fit. Um, I don't know if, I, if I'm just um, making too much of uh, the amount of prospects that they already have or the players that they can learn from. It just seems like a good fit for me. What did you think? Well, I mean, th th there's a couple things with Brant. So we started about the fit of the type of player he is. And, and, and you know, he, to me, he's, a, he's an elite level defenseman. And when he has the puck on his stick, he makes plays. And if you're a forward and you know that you have a player that can get the puck on your stick in the right spots at the right times, I mean, that, that, that's exciting. I mean, and, and Brant has that quality. You know, I've compared him in terms of the type of player to Eric Carlson. So, you know, when you, when you command that type of presence on the ice, playing the game in all its areas, you know, the, the, that's a quality defenseman. I, I think the second part of this is just really significant when it comes to the LA Kings. He can be an understudy to Drew Doughty. Like, mm -hmm. how good is that? And they have a terrific prospect to another right shot defenseman, Brock Faber who was part of the U.S. junior team last year that won gold. Real successful year at the University of Minnesota. So you got these two really good right shot defensemen, different types of defensemen. And you got Drew Doughty, you know, sitting right there uh, looking at those two guys. Uh, and, you know, it, trust me, players get excited when they see other good players and they hear about them. And for him to be able to take these two young guys at some point uh, in the next few years under his wing, I, I think it will not only excite Drew to be a mentor, it'll also excite him to know he's got some support, uh, you know, with, with these two young players coming through the system. Yeah, it's just uh, I, I, immediately what I thought of is, uh, you know, Drew Doughty bringing some of these guys on and Andre Kopitar doing the same thing with uh, some of the other players and stuff. That yeah, free agency. It's a, it's a, it's a good fit. A couple of picks I really liked in the second round. Uh, Samu Tuomala, who we talked about uh, on this show, 46 of the Flyers. Logan Stankoven, who we also talked about, 47th uh, to the uh, to the Stars. A uh, couple of second round picks. 
guys that that I think have some pretty high end skill. Uh, I think those are good picks for for those particular teams and and good fits for those players as well. Well, a, a couple of things with with both Samu and Logan is that they have areas of their game that obviously uh, have to be developed. Or if they were further along in some of those areas of development, they would have been selected much, much earlier. And, mm -hmm. you know, in time, we might look at it, and it goes back to development, Dean, to just what you said. In time, we might we might be sitting here going, well, why didn't they go earlier? And, and, and that might, and that very well may be legitimate. But where you get to that point in the draft, and I bet on the high end. Bet on the high-end guys. Bet on, bet on, bet on skill. Bet on think on those qualities that are hard to find. And when when you look at uh, Samu Tuomala and Logan Stankoven, they have those high-end offensive capabilities. Are, are they going to be those players that once they get to the next level are going to be fifty goal scorers? I don't think so. But the skill that they add and the way they compete and the way that they play the game. I think just give them the requisite amount of time and watching them play and watching how they uh, work and watching how they, uh, you know, inter interact in the game with their teammates and how they confront challenges in the game. I think once they get that maturity under their belts, they're going to be able to translate that to the National Hockey League. So to your point, what do you, what do you go, what, what do you want to select in the draft? And to me, go after that high end, go after the quality, you know, don't, and, and it's not about safe or anything like that. But if, if, if I'm going to go for a player that could be a really good goal scorer, round out my offensive depth and, and contribute in different areas offensively, as opposed to somebody that I go, well, you know what, like he might be a third line guy, might be an energy guy. I, I really believe Dean, I can find those guys. And, and I think they're easier to find than the skill guy. So I'm going on the skill side. I am with you. And uh, we're going to get into that in just a second because that's what I did in the UFHL uh, after our conversations about players. But Craig joins us courtesy of the UFFS hotline. Scouting is massive on this platform. The lifeblood of franchises in the UFHL. Uh, scouts just got paid off during the draft and walked away with a massive amount of profit. And you can get in the scouting game as well. Become an independent scout or form a partnership with an existing franchise. Scout real-world players for high-level fantasy teams and get paid. Case in point, Jesper Wallstead was a member of uh, high-level scouting. Uh, we paid uh, high-level, paid $450, and he sold for over $1,500. So it's uh, an opportunity for scouts to get in there and make a little bit of a profit. And... This is what we did on, uh, you know, our scouting um, advice that you gave us, Craig. These are the players that Duckman's domination drafted. This is just the first round. We had nine picks. So, William Eklund, Nikita Chabrikov, Zachary Bolduc, Corson Kulemans, Logan Stankoven, who we took in the, with our 32nd pick in the first round. And the theme here, Craig, based on what we talked about, is guys that have the ability to, to get up and down the ice and have some skill. So, what do you think of our first round? I'm impressed, massively impressed. And, you know, I think ahead to the World Junior, and, 
You know, Willie Mecklen will be there. Nikita Tsibrikov should be there. Bolduck, I think, has an outstanding chance, the St. Louis first-rounder, to be on the team. Corson Kuhlman's, you know, you, you look at right-shot defensemen, and, you know, at the World Junior Camp uh, that's taken place uh, into July, early into August here, you know, he, he's shown a quality that is that is really strong. And in that offensive zone, Dean, I mean, he is able to do a lot of significant things that generate scoring chances for himself and that he's able to create opportunities for others. And then we just talked about Logan Stankoven. He, he's going to have an opportunity to compete for a spot on the world junior team. He, he might just be at that stage where he's a year too soon. And, you know, and, and we saw lots of good players not make the team last year. Uh, a couple of guys that come to mind are Maverick Bork and Seth Jarvis. And they're going to be mainstays on the team this year. So, you know, it doesn't preclude or exclude Logan from having an opportunity this year. But uh, I don't think there's any question that when you look to the 2023 World Junior Team, Logan Stankoven will be on it. And same thing for Corson Kuhlman's. And, you know, with the, with the defense last year for the World Juniors that, had how about this for a world junior defense byram and drysdale hmm. harley and Braden schneider and your third pair was caden gooley and justin Barron. <laughs> how about that for depth so the depth for this year's uh canadian world junior team is not going to be nearly as as, as deep uh, and that's why Corson Kuhlman's has a, has a real good opportunity to, to make it. If you're talking about the quality of a Drysdale, a Schneider, and uh, a Baron, like the, those quality players coming back to, to play, uh, you know, Corson would have a real tough time to be able to make this team. But they're not there, and the quality isn't as high as it was last year, so he's going to have a real good opportunity. But, you know, all those players – have you know what you outlined uh, on the far left there? Skill, speed, smart, score, stay in the game, and, and and they're competitors. And the other thing about them, the games become challenging, the moments become harder. Those players are not shrinking violence. Indeed, and and that's what we the stay in the game thing is is something that yeah. you know you can have all the skill in the one. If you get pushed out of the game, you're you're not going to be able to be effective. And so. What uh, these are the first round picks. We had nine picks, and before I get to the next list, I'm just going to let you know eight of the nine players we that I selected based on what we talked about, and then formulating a list based on our league were in our top 33. So I, I'm pretty happy about the players that that you recommended, and then then our list. So here's our second round that we did: Daniel Chaika, Simon Robertson. Uh, Shea Booyam and Josh Doan. And Joan, don't be the only guy that I didn't have ranked in that in that top 33, but I was really impressed with our conversations about him. Obviously, I'm a big fan of his dad being a former Winnipeg Jet. So, I, again, I think we walked away with players that we had rated high. And that's what we talk about is don't worry about anybody else's list. Your list is the one that matters. That's the list you're picking on. Whether it's off your list or off somebody else's list, who cares? Go with your list, the players you like, and don't get distracted by what other teams or what the NHL draft is doing. So what do you think of our second round? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I really like Daniel Shaker. I mean, I've watched him for a long time, and uh, he reminds me so much of, of, uh, of uh, Jonas. Uh, uh, oh, God, I can't. I can't. Hey, Jonas Brogin with the Minnesota Wild. Simon Robertson is, is a shooter. He's heavy. He's hard. He pushes his way into those areas. I, I, I really believe that Shai Booyam, just what we were talking about, is that we're talking about that high end. 
like when I watch Shy play and I go, geez, I, I see a lot of what Roman Yossi showed early on. Uh, in, in, well, not early on, during his draft year. And I know talking to Paul Fenton and the Nashville Predators scouting staff, they really had uh, Roman Yossi rated much higher. And as he was falling down, they, they traded up to get uh, uh, Roman. And we all know that he's won a, a Norris Trophy. He, Shy skates that like with that type of an ability. So again, bet on the upside. Josh Stone, somebody should have drafted him last year. There was evidence last year, and I would say quite a bit of strong evidence that he was worth taking in the latter part of the draft. Nobody did. Now he goes early in the second round, right? So that's a that's a testament to Josh Stone. And, you know, maybe he didn't show enough to, to, to the NHL teams because I, I can't talk out of both sides of my mouth, and I've said this many times. 31 teams don't miss a player. They don't. Now, one team may, two teams may, 30 may, but not all 31, and, and, and this year's draft it was 32. So despite what I thought about Josh and that he was worthy of a later round draft pick, 31 teams that selected did not feel that way. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Josh Jones changed that narrative really quick. <laughs> because when you go, you know, early in the second round, I think it speaks volumes. And and I think Josh is another one of those players. I mean, he was like five foot three, five foot four when he was like 15, 16 years old. He, and all he's done is grown. He's not finished growing. And he, he he's a perfect example of vast majority of players need more time, not less. And he's going to take that time. He's not going to rush it along. Shane was physically mature at a younger age. He was able to step in and everything. But you even think about Shane, who was who was an early first-round draft pick to the Winnipeg Jets. And he didn't play very much for the Winnipeg Jets in his first year. And and yet he, he was physically mature. He was he was strong. He 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 had that, I mean, the the, the that bull, that bulldog-like quality that that he demonstrated throughout the course of his career was there early. But and he was a late birthday as well, and before he was re really ready to come in at 20. Josh isn't at the same, isn't at the same, he doesn't, he's not at the same maturation rate as Shane was. But I think Josh can be a really, really good player. So when you start to, uh, you know, again, bet on the upside, you know, it, it, and it's not a gamble that people might say, oh, I'm going to gamble. I'm going to go with the shirt. No, no, we're not here. You're trying to project. And if you see the, the elite skating of Shai Booyam, the elite shot of Simon Robertson, you know, the great skating, great defensive territorial play by Danil Shaika, and, and, and then the combination of skill and power and a maturing young player by Josh Stone, all those qualities translate to the NHL. That's what you bet them. Well, and, and that's uh, now we hope the, uh, as we mentioned, the development continues with those players. And uh, for, a, for a fantasy uh, team, I'm, I'm dependent on that. So hopefully that takes place as well. And you mentioned the World Junior Camp. Well, you're right in the middle of that right now. And, and we talked about some of the players that will have a shot at this year's team. What are the some of the storylines that you're seeing uh, early on in this uh, summer camp or you know, uh, I don't I don't like to say surprises uh, because that insinuates that maybe the players, uh, you know, weren't expected to be this good. And all these players uh, at this level are terrific, terrific, excellent players. But what are some of the storylines you're seeing developing early on? Well, let me I'll go back to two players I just talked about earlier, Maverick Bork and Seth Jarvis, who, who were at the uh, camp last year, obviously. You know, there was that two-week quarantine, and that affected uh, the, the players' ability to, to, to show what they were capable of, and, and, and likewise, the staff to evaluate them. 
good players. Uh, they didn't make the team. They weren't selected for it. And, and you watch them come back a year later. And you watch, you know, it's not just that they're good players. It's that sense of confidence that like, hey, you know what? I'm not trying to find my way here at this camp. I'm at the, I, I'm rooted and I'm going to be a mainstay. And I don't think there's any question that Seth Jarvis and, and uh, Maverick Bork are going to be mainstays on this world junior team. But to just see that, that, you know, again, that time, we talk about maturity. Maturity is not just physical. It's also mental and emotional and that sense of belonging and that sense of like, you know what, I don't have to, I'm just going to play my game. And my game is good enough that, uh, that, that I can do the things that make me a good player. You know, one of the interesting things, and, and I think Shane Wright, and I said it prior to the camp, I think he's their best player here. But I can tell you through two scrimmages, he hasn't, he's been a player that looks like a young player trying not to make a mistake. I'm just going to do what I need to do. You know how many times I see this with, with the young players coming to the camp and, you know, they sit down and go, okay, like, I know how good Shane is. And yet, you know, you got to kind of encourage Shane a little bit. Just play your game. Do your thing. It's it's dynamite. But when you get it, when you get it in and amongst the best under 20 players in Canada, and these are the best, and, you know, th there's a respect there. So, I, like, you know, I, I understand that from Shane, but, you know, that's one of the things. And it's not a surprise. I, I've seen it lots. But, you know, you watch Ridley Gray. He, he's bigger, stronger. You know, Jake Neighbors, who, who wasn't invited last year, he looks like he's got a real quality that's going to help this team compete. Go to the net. I mean, I have no doubt Sebastian Kosa is their, their, their go-to guy until he shows that he's not. And good luck. I'm not waiting on him showing that he's not because if you're waiting for that, it's been two years that he's shown how elite he is. The blue line, I touched on it. The blue line is, is going to be a real point of evaluation for the Hockey Canada staff over the course of, of the, the beginning of the season through, through the fall. Because as I mentioned, think about it, Byron Drysdale, Harley Schneider, Gooley Barron. That was your defense. I mean, think of that is so good. And they just simply don't have the same uh, quality. I mean, Caden Gooley, I think, will be the captain. I think he's the best candidate to be the captain. Owen Power is going to be on the team. Uh, and, and now we're now you're looking at, I think, Damon Hunt. He, he's, he's a guy that I, I think should be on the team. Looks like he's ready to take charge and be on the team. Brant Clark. After that, I think there's a lot of open spots, and that's where that's where the staff has to really go and spend a lot of time evaluating. You know, what type of player do they want to have on the team? What, what type of look do they want to have on the blue line? It's not just about this player's better than that player. They're, they're, they're all players, you know, and what do you want from there? Forward group, Dean, there's going to be some really good players get cut. There's going to be some really good players not make this team because the quality of forward, the quality of forward, uh, for uh, available to Team Canada is high, high, high. And I'll finish with this. I believe Connor Bedard will be on the World Junior Team. I've watched him excel at the Western Hockey League level as a, as a true 15-year-old, true 15-year-old, excel, dominate. Then he goes, two age groups up, best on best at the U18, dominated. I have no doubt about this young man's skills and attributes and his approach to playing. So he, he is, he's been with the U18 group and, and they want the hockey Canada wants him to go through that stage of being with his, and he's still a year younger than everybody, but I think he will be on this team. I, I, I just think he's too good. I don't see how you keep him off. 
Well, and that's the 2023 draft, and you mentioned Shane Wright for 2022, and uh, that's the the focus for uh, a lot of scouts as they shift that, and certainly in the UFHL, that's the next big thing for for teams. And you know, we've talked about Shane Wright. Uh, high level scouting is really excited about uh, his potential going into the draft next year. I, I know you've said it before. Uh, he's the best player out of anybody in the 2021 draft, and he's the best player out of anybody in the 2022 draft. But that doesn't mean that there aren't any other players. To me, this the high-end skill is just dripping off some of these players going into the 2022 draft, isn't it? Oh, there, there's no question about it, Dean. And, you know, keep it, and, and I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind, especially as we, as we enter a new scouting cycle, for the 2022 draft is that there's not as much knowledge. There has not been as many observations on the players and as specifically the 04 group of players, 04 born, 2004 born players, because you know, in Ontario, they, they didn't play deep. They didn't play. So you, 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 you can go back and say, here's what they did in midget. They didn't play last year in Ontario. A lot of other players around the world didn't get the opportunity to play. So there is going to be a, a tremendous amount of, uh, of work put in by the scouting staffs and scouting personnel of all NHL teams uh, to try to, you know, g get as much knowledge and, and as much observation on these players early on in the, in, in the year, you know, th through the early part of September into October, November, because it, it's really without without uh without and, and there's there's Halenka going on but you know you got Canada that's not there you don't have the benefit of watching these players previously Th there is a lot of talent and 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 there's a lot of talent that we don't even know about yet and that's another thing to keep in mind you know I'll do a list I usually do a list you know ahead of time after the U17 here's some players to watch for for the for the for the draft coming up in 2022 so that would have been last November's U17 and you look ahead. Well, now you watch them. Some of them show up at the U18. You get to the summer. My list is going to be a little bit longer to 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 be distributed because again, and, and there's going to be some 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 changes that'll be a little bit more significant as players that you may not have known about come onto your radar as you watch them and get more comfortable with your assessment of them. And again, it goes back to what we talked about with scouting. It's never static. And you have to understand, you know, hey, some of these players have not had the chance to play. The, uh, the U18 camp is here in uh, Calgary as well. So I'm watching a lot of the Ontario kids, some of the Quebec kids that did get a chance to play, some of the Western Hockey League kids that get it, but, but some of them that didn't. And, you know, you watch and you go, oh boy, that's a good player. Oh boy, that's a good player. Boy, that's a good player. And players that I'll be straightforward with you, I've never seen play. Players that, you know, coming into this uh, camp, I had never seen them play a game. So, you know what? You want to gain confidence in your evaluations. You do that by being able to watch them. So I think there's going to be a lot of that, uh, you know, from r r right through the scouting circles. Not, I don't think there definitely will be a lot of that through the scouting circles. Well, let's just hope that we never have to go through uh, <laughs> another scouting year or another year worldwide. Let's hope we can put a lot of, uh, what has been happened in the last year in the rearview mirror and, and, you know, get back to being in arenas with our friends and family watching 
uh, the greatest game. And, and Craig, I just have to say thank you so much. As this is our final episode uh, for this season, uh, you're heading up, uh, turning off the cell phone and going to enjoy nature. Uh, I, I just want to say I really appreciate your time, uh, your knowledge, and your passion for this show. Uh, everything that you do with Duckman's Domination and, of course, high-level scouting involved in the UFHL. We really, really do value your input. Dean, I can tell you this, and we've known each other for a number of years. Uh, I, I want to spend time with quality people that are passionate about what they do. And, and that, that describes you to a T. And, you know, Trish, in terms of managing the team and managing the, the entity uh, in the league is tremendous. So, uh, you know, I appreciate your kind words, but uh, the reason that I feel so fortunate is because of the quality of people that, I'm, that, that I've been afforded an opportunity to work with. So thank you, Dean. And it's always my pleasure to talk. And, and again, just a reminder to everybody out there that wants to get into the scouting game that's into the scouting game. It's never static. And right now, evaluate yourself. <laughs> because as sure as you are about your lists, they're not going to be uh, right in every single area. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. What'd you talk about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we gotta win it. UFFS, you own the game. All right, that is going to wrap it up for uh, the second season of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. Uh, so much fun to get to know the players uh, that are now uh, members of uh, Duckman's Domination. Uh, there's the first round, and then uh, we had four more picks in the second round. Uh, thanks to uh, Craig's guidance, uh, we are very, very confident and excited about the future of this, as NHL teams are right now as well. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Uh, you, the listener, and the viewer. Uh, without you, there would be no show. And, of course, big thanks to Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports uh, for bringing us uh, Craig Button each week with the UFFS hotline. If you would like to get in touch with UFFS, it's easy. Head to the website, www.uffsports.com. There are so many things in the way of fantasy sports and the blockchain that are really going to blow up. You, you will not want to miss out. If you are if you consider yourself a professional fantasy player, that's what this is. Get in. Get in while the, the getting is good. Uh, you can become a fan. You can register as a scout. Uh, you can try to join a team as a, a staff member, assisted GM, or a scout for that team. Or you can try to buy, buy a franchise. Franchises are always uh, for sale on the blockchain. Mentioned uh, UFSN, here's the schedule that we have. A uh, huge podcast coming up this coming Sunday, UFFS podcast with Darren Bates and Larry Fisher. The Two Minute Tuesday is already out for today uh, with Darren Bates uh, from a lake. It looks so peaceful. Tracking the Draft usually comes out Wednesday, but because I'll be traveling tomorrow, uh, not able to do that. And uh, unfortunately, there won't be a full count fantasy baseball this week as I'll be traveling that day. But we will get back to UFHL now. And the roundtable once a month, every Saturday. And as mentioned, more great programming is in the works uh, within UFSN. 
Thank you so much uh, for being a part of the program uh, over the past couple of seasons. This has been so much fun, and uh, I look forward to seeing what happens in uh, the 2022 draft for the NHL and the UFHL. This has been tracking the draft for the director of scouting for TSN and former NHL GM Craig Button. My name is Dean Millard. Thank you so much. This is where the stars of tomorrow have been discovered and discussed. Enjoy the rest of your summer, everybody.